Lucas on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life here on Premier Christian Radio. And here we are just a few days from Christmas. Are you ready? Well, with Parliament debating Omicron restrictions this last week, uproar about parties at number 10, mixed reports on just how lethal the virus is coming from around the globe, and then Deputy Prime Minister Dominic Raab saying that the so-called Plan B should be enough, it all starts to feel so inevitable. And let's face it, we're all weary of it. Tonight, I'd like us to turn to the amazing Christmas story and reflect on the truth that God is the God not of the inevitable, but the impossible. The Christmas story is so familiar to many that we can greet it with a smile and a yawn. Yep, when it comes to the story of Mary's virgin birth, the trek to Bethlehem, those rascal shepherds getting a front row seat to an angelic praise party, We've heard those stories many times before, but let's look again, both tonight and next week on Boxing Day evening, at the story of young Mary, because she discovered that with God, all things are possible. And I think that after 18 months of fear, uncertainty, and what seems inevitability, we'd do well to remember the truth about our great God too, the God of impossibility. Here, on Lucas on Life on Premier Christian Radio, our God is great. And here's Chris Tomlin with a reminder. It's something that I don't often do on this show, but let's allow the truth of Scripture, a reading from Scripture, to just wash over us as we look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26 onwards. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived the son and is now in her sixth month for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her. God does the impossible. And when I say impossible, I mean outrageously impossible. You see, first of all, we all know that for a virgin to conceive, well, that's humanly not going to happen. The X chromosome for Jesus would have to come from Mary, but the Y chromosome needed to come from God. But then let's think a little more on this, if we can, without our minds imploding at this thought. Jesus is and was the creator of the universe, the one, according to the Apostle John, through whom everything that was made was made. He didn't begin life at the moment of conception in Mary's womb. He has always been and always will be. And now, staggeringly, 
humanly speaking, impossibly, he becomes a tiny speck, an embryo, and then a fetus. And all of this happens to a young girl called Mary, and she was so very ordinary. Looking at Christmas cards this year, I am grateful for the friends who send them, but I get a bit frustrated when, if I can put it like this, people pretty up the nativity. You've got Mary sitting there dressed from head to foot in blue. You never see Joseph on the Christmas card, do you? He's probably out the back putting together a wonky coffee table or something. And then Mary and the baby Jesus are surrounded by grinning cows and donkeys in the soft, moonlit Chanel number no. 5 smelling hay. The truth is, it was nothing like this. These were unhygienic conditions. Mary herself was very young. Two non-biblical sources put her at 14. Another one says 12. Shocking to us in our culture, but back then in that day, you could be engaged at the age of 12. It's very possible that Mary was illiterate, her knowledge of scriptures being limited to what she'd memorized at home and heard in the synagogue, and her life would not be extraordinary. She would marry humbly, never travel farther than a few miles from home, frankly, bluntly, a nobody in a nothing town in the middle of nowhere. Nazareth had a terrible reputation. When straight-talking Nathaniel mentioned Nazareth, he said, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? You read about it in John 1:46. The implication was that this place was miserably corrupt. A nobody from nowhere. And yet Mary, this ordinary young woman, was swept into the purposes of God. I don't know about you, but sometimes I just feel so ordinary. Is it possible that I can connect with the purposes of God for God? I don't know about you, but sometimes I just feel so ordinary. Is it possible that I can connect with the purposes of God for this planet? And the truth is, we can. The God of the impossible, that's our theme tonight, both for this week and next weekend's Boxing Day show. I hope you'll be able to join me. I want us to notice that when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, the first news that was given was not about a baby being born, but rather it was about the grace, favor, love of God. God was with Mary and for her. We read, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. You see, news of grace came before news of the impossible. If we are ever going to experience the supernatural power, the impossibility of God in our own lives, first of all, we've got to grasp the truth that he's with us and for us. The very foundation of Christianity is that it is good news. That's what the word gospel means. And yet, as a pastor for many years now, I have met so many Christians who say they believe in the good news of God's forgiveness, but still live addicted to shame. Now, I'm not talking about guilt. Guilt can be good. I think it was Mark Twain who said, it's good to feel guilty when we are, and without healthy guilt, we would all be sociopaths. I'm talking about shame. Guilt is a targeted emotion. It says to us, you did this wrong. Shame is like a smothering blanket that covers us up and cuts out the light, cuts out the air, and says, you are no good. Chuck Swindoll said, 
Most folks, it seems, are better acquainted with shame than they are with their God. One example of that is the great artist Michelangelo, who lived from 1475 to 1564, surely one of the greatest artists of all time. But he was a socially inept, insecure man. He had episodes of crippling self-doubt and crises of confidence in his own ability. During the painting of Creation Day on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel, he had a particularly difficult time up on the back-breaking scaffolding. That night, the great man wrote these words in his journal, I am not a painter. I think he was wrong, don't you? He was temporarily blinded to his own abilities. What we can do if we're not careful is we look at the worst of us, the worst days, the worst things that we have done. And then, if I can put it like this, we name ourselves after these days. Mary had to have a revelation of the goodness, the kindness, the mercy, the love of God as we approach this Christmas day coming soon. Never mind the shopping. Let's get a grip on the great gift of God, the gift of his grace. As we're thinking about Mary's response to the angel Gabriel showing up, let's know also that confusion is often part of the journey. In most Bible translations, the angel Gabriel appears and says, Greetings. But actually, a closer look at that word would show us that a better translation would be rejoice, be joyful. And that's consistent because joy is a theme in Luke's gospel. And later on, Mary would say these words, Luke 1, 46 to 47, My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. You see, the angel said rejoice. And ultimately, Mary's response was rejoicing. She was joyful. But that was not her immediate response. Because we read in verse 29 of chapter 1 of Luke, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. The angel says rejoice. Mary got round to it eventually. Let's face it. One of the challenges about Christmas is that it brings the demand that we be happy, be joyful. It is required. It's the season. But for some of us, this time of the year may trigger a bout of the blues or perhaps ignite a depression that brings back painful experiences. It's not so much that we're dreaming of a so-called white snowy Christmas. For some, it's a gray Christmas. One survey reported that 45% of those who responded were actually dreading the festive season. Now, why am I talking like this? Is this the Grinch hijacks Christmas? No, I just think we need to be aware that for some of us, this can be quite a sad time. For those who have very little money, the marketing bombardment of Christmas can feel totally excluding. Often we feel alone at Christmas. There's a, an empty seat at the table because of grief or COVID restrictions, other circumstances. And let's face it, when the family does gather, there is this demand that we all get along swimmingly and everything's going to be amazing, a happy, happy time. And then Uncle Fred shows up and he always burps at the table, unhelpful. For those of us who follow Jesus, Christmas can feel a bit weird too. It can seem like a global birthday party, but everybody has forgotten whose birthday it is. 
And then as I reflect on the terrible tornadoes that tore through a 250-mile stretch in the south here in the USA just a week or so ago, the grief and the sadness that there must be for so many, we need to be aware of that. So here's the thing. Why don't we look beyond the horizon of our own Christmas arrangements and, as COVID restrictions will allow, think of that elderly gentleman who lives three houses down and we know he's going to be alone. How about stopping by with a a mug full of sweets or something? Wish him a Merry Christmas. Many Christians at this time also go out of their way to include others who are alone around their family table at Christmas time. The point is this, whatever we do, let's look beyond ourselves. God is the God of the impossible. For Mary, that meant amazing news that was initially met with some confusion, some struggles. Whatever you're doing this Christmas, my prayer is that you will have a great sense of the wonder of it all. The God of the impossible is among us. Before I sign off, let me just mention that starting in the new year, a brand new resource is available from my ministry. It's called Life with Lucas, quarterly Bible reading notes that will help us, I hope, as we navigate the yet unknown 2022. You can get more details at lifewithlucas.co.uk. Join me on Boxing Day for part two of The God of the Impossible and a very Merry Christmas. Lucas on Life.